in the Gemara on Daf Memdalit Amir Aleph, towards the bottom of the Amir, we're holding where it says Amir Abzeda. It's two lines before the wide lines. This Gemara here, Amir Abzeda, is a continuation to the Braisa that we learned <coughs> yesterday that brings the Machlekes between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Meir. Basically, the Machlekes between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Meir is regarding Mukta Machmas Mius. Rabbi Yehuda introduces in this Braisa and before in the Mishnah this concept of Mukta Machmas Mius, meaning that if you have a lamp that has been used, it's a klicheres and it became repugnant, so it's Mukta, a person doesn't plan to use it for anything else, it's not designated for use, so it's Mukta to be used on Shabbos. Whereas Rab Meir does not subscribe to this kind of Mukta, and therefore Rab Meir says whether it's a new lamp, whether it's an old lamp, it doesn't matter. It's, there's no such a thing as being Mukta because it's repugnant. Here, the Gemara is going to bring a different example of a metal lamp. A metal lamp that we're talking about over here, and uh, some of the Mepharshim say we're talking specifically about copper, even after it's used, it does not become ma'os, it does not become repugnant, you can use it for any other uses as well. So if you're using a metal utensil for a lamp, uh, it, even if it was used once before, it could afterwards be used for other uses. So let's begin the Gemara inside. Amar Abzeir, Abzeir said, Pamoit, a metal candlestick, Shehidliku by B'Shavis, that you lit with it on Shabbos. So now, according to the one that says that using an old lamp would be permitted on Shabbos if there's no fire burning in it. In other words, again, going, this is Rab Meir's opinion. Rab Meir says that an old lamp, although it's repugnant, there's no muktzamach masmias, but over here, it's aser. In this case, it's going to be aser, and the reason is it's muktzamachmas iser. If you lit in this metal candlestick, a fire, and it's burning on Shabbos, so it's going to be Osir if it was burning when Shabbos came in. We're eight lines from the bottom, right? Yes, we're eight lines from the bottom, that's where we started, yeah. So although the concept of Mukze Machmas Mios he does not hold of, but Mukze Machmas Isser he does hold of. Now the truth is, if you look in the Braise that we learned yesterday, it pretty much says it clearly in the Braise, because there the Rab, Rab Meir said, which means he doesn't hold of Muktzemach Masmias, but he holds of Muktzemach Isser when there was a candle that was burning in this, uh, in this lamp. Okay, now why the Gemara, why Rab Zayda has to spell this out over here? Taisvis asks that question. Now, according to Rab Yehuda, Rab Yehuda does hold of Muktzemach Masmias in an older lamp of an earthenware, which becomes repugnant. Mutter. In this case, with a metal lamp, a metal utensil that's being used for a lamp, and it's not ma'os, and the only iser is because of the iser of the flame burning in it, he, in this case, he would hold its mutter. So the Gemara questions this. Lememre, shall we say, that Rabbi Yehuda muktza machmas mias islay. Rabbi Yehuda only holds of the concept of muktza because of the mios, but muktza machmas iser leslay. But because of the iser of the candle that was burning there when Shabbos came in, that he doesn't hold of. How could you say this? What Tanya we clearly learned in Abraise. Rabbi Yudah Aimer, Rabbi Yudah says, Kol shal mateches, All metal candles, metal talin, are allowed to be moved. Chutz Besides, a candle, a metal candlestick that was lit for Shabbos. So because the fire was burning, then when Shabbos came in, so therefore it's Muktzah Machmas Isser. So you clearly see over here that it's Muktzah Machmas Isser. And Rabbi Yudah holds it this as well. Ella, so therefore the Gemara goes back and retracts the way it uh, quoted Rabzeira, I itmer, hochi itmer. 
if we have to say what Rav Zayda said, this is how he must have said it. A metal candlestick that you lit with it on Shabbos, it does not become repugnant, but there's a candle burning there when Shabbos comes in, and therefore there's an Isser here. Everybody holds that it's also to move it on Shabbos because of the Mukta Machmas Isser. So both Rab Meir and Rab Yehuda agree to this. But if you did not light anything in this metal candlestick, everybody agrees it's Mutter. As we'll see soon, based on the Gemara and Ahmed Beis, and Rashi there explains it, when it says here, that this metal candlestick was not used yet, what we're talking about over here is a metal utensil that not only wasn't used yet, but it wasn't even designated yet for a candle to be lit in it. Okay, as we'll see in the Hemshul of the Gemara. So the Gemara of Yehuda, Mito A person has a bed. And he verbally designated it for a muktzah use to store money there, or for that matter, to store any other muktzah item there. So just by verbally designating it for the muktzah usage, that itself makes the bed a base for muktzah. It's being used for muktzah, and therefore, also you're not allowed to use and move that bed. <clears throat> so the question was asked on the statement from our Mishnah that we learned before here. The Mishnah says, if you have a ner chadosh, it's a new lamp, a new earthenware lamp that wasn't used yet, you're allowed to move it. Only an old one, which becomes repugnant, you're not allowed to use. What do you see from here? You have a new lamp. So it's designated for a lamp, but you didn't use it yet, and you're allowed to move it on Shabbos. So we see that something that was designated for a lamp, the very, the very designation itself does not make it muktzah. And the Gemara actually says that this goes a step further. If when it comes to the case of a candle, a lamp, this earthenware lamp is designated for this use. If you didn't yet lighten it, you're allowed to move it on Shabbos. If you have a bed, it's not made to store mukta items. It's not made to store money or other mukta items. So like isn't it for sure that even uh, that just verbally designating it alone is not going to be enough to render it mukta? Just like we see with the lamp in the Mishnah, the same should apply here regarding this bed. How, how could just verbally designating it be enough to make it mukta? <clears throat> Ella, so the Gemara now changes how the statement was quoted. If we heard what Rav said, it had to be said as follows. A bed that was verbally designated to place money or any mukta item there. If it wasn't just a verbal designation, but he actually went and placed money on the bed. He actually was put, put a mukta item there. And we're talking about even on, during the week, not on Shabbos, of course. Before Shabbos, he verbally designated it for a mukta item and he placed mukta items already on the bed. Then, you're not allowed to move the bed. Not allowed to move the bed because it becomes designated for mukta. And as Rashi explains, this is even if you remove the mukta item of the bed before Shabbos. Because once you not only designated it, but you also went and placed the mukta item on the bed, so now it becomes a basis, a base for mukta, and therefore you're not allowed to move it on Shabbos. Lo <coughs> If he did not designate it for money before Shabbos, so then on Shabbos, 
If there is money there on the bed, you're not allowed to move the bed. If there is no money there on the bed, you are allowed to move the bed. And, and now the statement over here of Rav adds one more point. As long as there was no money there at the time of Bein Hashmoshes. <coughs> Sorry. As we saw already before, when it comes to the concept of Mukta, <coughs> we follow the status that it has Bein Hashmoshes. If at the time of Bein Hashmoshes it was designated, there was actually money there, not only not designated, but there was money there on the bed. And at the time of Bein Hashmoshes, you couldn't use it because of the Mukta that's on it. So once it's Iskatsoi, it's separated. At the time of Bein Hashmoshes, Iskatsoi Lukulu Yoime, you can't use it for the rest of the day. So this is the way the statement of Rav was said. So now the Gemara is going to ask a question on this very last point that uh, we see here in the statement of Rav, that if at the time of Bein Hashmoshes there was money there, so then for the rest of Shabbos you can't use it, even if later on Shabbos the money was removed. Rabbi asked the question, now here the Gemara quotes a Mishnah in Masech the Kalim. Most of this Mishnah is talking about a halacha of Tumah regarding a... Um, coach and the wheels of the coach. Okay? But then there's one detail that's going to be relevant for our Gemara in the end of this Mishnah. It discusses the Halacha of Shabbos regarding the wheel. So, according to Rashi's Pshat, this is the wheel of a coach. There are other Rishayna that disagree. Taisus has a different Pshat. Rambam has a different Pshat. But we're going to go with Rashi's Pshat. So, the wheels of a coach. If it's a wheel that is removable, yeah, you have a wheel that's built into the coach and it's not removable, then it becomes part and parcel of the coach itself. But here, this mission is specifically speaking about a wheel in the coach that's removable. Ein chibur lo. So then it's not, it's, it's not, there's no chibur. It's not one utensil, it's not one item with the coach itself. And therefore, if the coach became tome, the wheel does not become tome. If the wheel has tome, the coach is not tome. They're not the two different things. And when we measure the coach, we're not going to measure along with it the wheel regarding what is the measurement relevant. So the chart over here is that it refers to the halacha, and we had this once before, movable items become tome only if, if it's under a certain size, under being able to hold a volume of 40 saw. If it's too large, it's not considered anymore to be a portable item. And it's learned from the Pasik Klisak, that it has to be a portable item in order to be susceptible to Tumah. So when we're measuring the size, the volume of the um, coach, the question is, should we also include the wheel as well? So if it's a uh, removable wheel, we do not measure the wheel together with the coach. Another halacha that is relevant regarding this removable wheel uh, if the coach is riding over a place where there are kvorim, now if the people are sitting inside the coach and you have the floor of the coach that creates this uh, separation between the kvorim below and the people inside the coach, so they're sort of enclosed inside the oihel, and therefore the tumah of the kvorim will not make them tome inside the coach. But how about if there are things from the coach that protrude? And they, they stick out and they're on top of the wheels. Could the wheel also serve as a separation between the kvarim 
and the things that are sticking out on top of the wheels. So the Gemara says, the Mishnah here is saying, no, it does not. It's removable, it's a separate thing. It will not be a separation between the Kvarim and whatever is sticking out on top of this wheel. Okay, these are the halachis that are regarding Tumah that are not relevant for our Surya. But now the Mishnah there finishes off with one more halacha regarding this removable wheel. The Ein Gaidadin Oisa Bishabis. Bisman Mois. If there's money that was placed on top of the wheel, you can't now uh, drag this uh, coach to any other place. Why not? Because there's money, it's mukta. If the wheel is mukta, so since the coach is, is attached to the wheel right now, so therefore you can't drag the coach or move it to any place. Okay, now the explanation of this idea here is if this is not a removable wheel, if it's fixed into the coach, so then because the wheel is toffled to the coach, so the money on the wheel will not render the entire coach mukta you would be allowed to move the coach. But if the wheel is removable, so it's considered to be a keli for itself, the money on that wheel makes the wheel mukta. So if you can't move the wheel, you're not going to be allowed to move the coach along with it because it comes along. Okay, so the point though, that Gemara is bringing up this Mishnah for the discussion here is that in this Mishnah, it's telling you that only as long as the money is on top of the wheel, then you're not allowed to move it. If the money's not there, even if it was there at the time of Ben Hashmoshes, Still, there's no mukta. So this is the question on the statement of Rav that said that if there's money on the bed by Ben Hashmoshes, then for the rest of Shabbos it's considered to be mukta even if the money's not there. Okay, so how mois? Okay, so only if there's um, mois if there's no money on top of the uh, wheel. Sharia, it's allowed. Even if the money was there at the time of Ben Hashmoshes. And for the Gemara, Hahi Rabshimini. That Mishnah is following the opinion of Rabshimin, the Lesle Mukta, that does not hold the broad idea of Mukta, and therefore Rabshimin does not subscribe to this concept that we follow the status of Banish Moshes. When the Mukta item is there, you're not allowed to move it. When the Mukta item is not there, then you are allowed to move it. So that's this Mishnah is Rabshimin. Rav, and Rav that says that we follow the status of what was Ben Hashmoshes, he is going with Rabbi Yehuda's opinion that says, uh, that's more stringent, and says we go by Ben Hashmoshes. This is also logical to say, that he holds like Rabbi Yehuda. Atesis here points out there are different aspects to the Chumra of Rabbi Yehuda regarding Mokta. There are, it's clear, it's clear from other places and from the Gemara before that Rav holds like Rabbi Yehuda, but the Gemara right now wants to prove specifically regarding this subject, regarding the fact that we follow the status of Ben Hashmoshes. So, Hachanami Mestavre, the Rav Karab Yudis Virulei, the Rav holds like Rav Yehuda, the Omar Rav, because Rav said another halacha. So, before I say inside what, 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 the, the Gemara, let me just uh, preface that there's a, a gzeda of Chachamim not to make any usage of a tree on Shabbos or Yom Tiv. And the reason is because there's a gzeda that the person may come to pull off a branch, which of course is the Malacha of Kaitzer. Okay, but here the Mishnah Rav made the following distinction. You could place a candle on top of a palm tree on Shabbos and there's no concern with anything going wrong here. And I'll explain more in a moment. But he may not place the candle on top of a tree on Yom Tif. Okay, Now the point here is, what's going to happen after this nair, uh, this candle goes out? Now he wants to remove it from the tree. If he's going to remove it from the tree, so then he's using the tree. 
You're not allowed to use the tree on, Yont- on, on Shabbos and Yontif. So here's the distinction. Shabbos, even after it goes out, it's going to be mukta. So therefore, there's no concern with allowing him to place it on the tree on Shabbos because it's going to stay there the entire Shabbos. He's not going to touch it. It's mukta till the end of Shabbos. Yontif, a candle, is not mukta. You can move the candle from one place to another. So if you're going to place the candle on the tree on Yontif, you're going to take it off the tree, on the tree. You're not allowed to use a tree on Yontif. So therefore, on Yontif, you're not allowed to place it there in order not to use the tree on Yontif. So the Gemara now elaborates. If you're going to say that Rav follows the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, and again, what's the basis of Rabbi Yehuda's opinion here? That we follow the status of the, of the object at Ben Hashmoshes. If at Ben Hashmoshes it's Mukta, it remains Mukta for the rest of Shabbos. So then, So then we could understand the difference between placing a candle on a tree, Shabbos, and Yontif. On Shabbos, because at the time of Ben Hashmoshes it was Mukta, it's going to stay Mukta the entire Shabbos, so he's not going to come to use the tree. On Yontif, there's no Mukta with his candle, so he's going to take it off the tree and put it on the tree, he's going to come to use the tree. But if Rav holds like Rav Shimon, and you don't follow the status of Ben Hashmoshes, and once the candle goes out, so he could move it, even on Shabbos, Mali Shabbos, Mali Yontif. What's the difference between placing the candle on the tree on Shabbos or on Yontif? Either way, once the candle goes out, he's going to move it around from the tree. Whether Shabbos, whether Yontif. So what's the difference? So the Gemara says, so here, so here we have our proof that Rav holds like Rabbi Yehuda. Now the Gemara questions this. Is it true that Rav holds the Yehuda that we follow the status of Ben Hashmoshes? The question was asked from Rav. Are you allowed to move the Hanukkah candles in order to not have the Chabari? Chabari were these wild people that uh, that made Gzairis on Yidin and Bavel not to be allowed to light candles, whether not to light candles outside, or on their holidays not to light candles, as Rashi here says. So if someone's going to go and light Hanukkah candles, as soon as the Hanukkah candles goes out, he's going to want to move it away from there, so they shouldn't uh, see that the Hanukkah candles were lit. So the question is, after the Hanukkah candles go out, is he allowed to move it on Shabbos? And what did Rav say to them? Yes, it's allowed. You could move them. So what do you see from here? That even though at the time of Ben Hashmoshes, the status of this Hanukkah candle was that it was Moktze, but since it goes out, now you're allowed to move it. So it seems like that Rav holds a Kapshimen. Once it goes out, you're allowed to move it. So the Gemara answers, no. That case, which is a Shasat Chak, where there's a Gzeda and they don't want to be caught lighting Hanukkah candles, that's different. Because Rav Kahana and Avashi said to Rav when he gave this heter, this is the Allah we pass like Rav Shimon. And Rav answered, Rav Shimon is worthy to rely on him to take his opinion and to permit this mukta in a case where the candle is not actually burning there. We had this quote also in the Gemara in Brachis. And there's many other places in Shas where this expression of K'day Rav Shimon L'smechol comes up. There's a very, very famous Chassidah Shetayish that the Rebbe also mentioned that when it comes to a Shas Atchak, when Yidin are in a matzav of Tchak, so K'day Rav Shimon to be Saimich and Rav Shimon to take us out of that Tchak. Or like Rav Shimon himself said, K'day Nilifta is Kala Kuloi, that Rav Shimon could be painted the entire world with his as a, as a chusim. So we're coming up soon, not long from now, from the Lak Baimer. So let's remember this Gemara. K'day Rav Shimon L'smechol Okay. 
Ah, the Gemara goes on and <clears throat> asks a question here. The remainder of the Gemara that we're going to learn today is going to be regarding Rab Shimon's opinion. Rab Shimon is more lenient regarding Mukta, but the Gemara will question exactly how far the leniency of Rab Shimon goes when it comes to Mukta. So Rab Shimon, as we just learned, does not subscribe to this concept that if at the time of Ben Hashemoshes it was Muktzah, it remains Muktzah the entire Shabbos, you have to look at the item during Shabbos, is it in a status of Muktzah or not? Kedai, so, so, sorry, so the Gemara says inside, Vaita, boy, minei rab, resh lakish merab yechenen, resh lakish asked the following question for rab yechenen, chitim shezoron, you took kernels of wheat and you planted it in the ground, bekarka, ubeitzim shetachas tanagailis, or you took eggs, and you place it for the hen to, to sit on it to incubate the eggs. So now the question is, Mahu, what's Rab Shimon's opinion going to be? In such a case, will Rab Shimon say that these things are going to be mukta or not? Key lesson that Rab Shimon mukta is the, the fact that Rab Shimon does not hold of mukta when you have any food item that is fit for eating. Even if by Ben Hashemoshes, it was not. But if right now it's fit for eating, Rab Shimon does not hold of Muktzah. But when does Rab Shimon not hold of Muktzah? If he did not directly go and put it aside, that it should not be used on Shabbos. But if he went and put it on this aside, that it should not be used on Shabbos, so maybe in such a case, Rab Shimon does hold of Muktzah. Since he went and took this kernel of wheat and placed it into the ground, he took this egg and placed it for the egg, placed it, placed it for the hen to sit on it, so then he was Then Rab Shimon will hold that it's Muktzah. Or perhaps there's no difference. As long as this kernel of wheat is fit to eat and this egg is fit to eat, even if you place it in the ground or for the hen to sit on it, doesn't matter, there's no Muktzah here at all. So he answered, Ein Muktzah Rab Shimon. Rab Shimon does not hold of Muktzah. Elo Shemen Shebeneir Bisho Shahu Dailik. Only when you have oil in a candle while it's burning. And what's the reason? Since this oil in the candle has been designated for the mitzvah. And also, it's designated for the Isser, the flame of fire, which is an Isser that's burning, because you have two things. It's Hukza for the Mitzvah and Hukza for the Isser. There he holds of Mukza. Otherwise, if you have this food, although he was Deichet Biyadayim, he, he uh, planted it in the ground or he put it aside for the hen for the, to sit on it, nevertheless, there's no Mukza over here. So the Gemara questions this. For Lesle Hukza does Rab Shimon not hold that once something is designated for a mitzvah, you're not allowed to uh, move it on uh, Shabbos or Yontif? Tanya, we learned in Abraisim, Sichicha Kehil Chosom. What happens, a person, we had this Abraisim already before, quoted in Davchav Beis, a person that uh, has a sukkah, on sukkahs, and he put up the, the schach the way it's supposed to be, the itra, the kromim, and he decorated it with curtains, with colored curtains, with sadinin, hamatsuyarin, or with embroidered uh, linen, the talabah, geizen, or he hung up nuts, afarsikin, peaches, shkedim, almonds, remainim, parmigranates, ba'farchli shalanovim, or clusters of grapes, atarish shalshipoilin, wreaths of uh, wheat, yenais, wine, shmanim, oil, saltais, uh, flowers, once you designated all of this for the mitzvah, you're not allowed to use it until after Yom Because it's designated for the mitzvah. But if he, before he placed these things in the sukkah, he, he verbally made a condition that he should be able to go and eat from them and use them, so then he never designated it for the mitzvah. So then you follow his t'nai. So the Gemara will now um, say that this b'raisa goes according to Rabshimen. 
How do we know it goes according to Rab Shimon? From where do we know that this is Rab Shimon? Because <coughs> we learned in another Brayas that Rab Shimon basically says the same thing. Rab Shimon learned to Kamed Rab Yechenen. Now, what this Brai says in the beginning part of the Brai says talking about, we're not talking about the mitzvah of sukkah. We're talking about any other yomtiv, Pesach, Shavuos, or whatever. And the person builds himself a hut. He wants to sit in a hut outside, and he builds a hut for shade, not to be in the sun. So he built this hut, and what happened? The hut collapsed. Now he wants to use the wood for something else. If the hut did not collapse, so then it's an oil. You're not allowed to take any wood from it to break the oil on Shabbos or Yontif. But over here we're talking about the hut that collapsed. So you're not allowed to take from any of this wood that was designated to use on Yontif. So it's Muktza. There were other pieces of wood that were there on the side that weren't designated to be there for the whole Yontif. You were planning on using it. That you could use. That you can take. But Rab Shimon, Rab Shimon allows it. Rab Shimon says once it collapsed, we don't follow what it was, Bein Hashmoshes. Right now it collapsed, and therefore you can use that wood for any other purpose. <coughs> okay. Now, in the second half of the Brayse, we come to a sukkah on sukkahs. The Shavin and Rab Shimon and the Tanakhama both agree the sukkahs achag that when you have a sukkah for sukkahs, the chag during the yontiv of sukkahs shehi asura that it's forbidden to have use of it the entire sukkahs. Vim hisna because it's designated for the mitzvah. Before we were talking about stama hot that was built to use on Pesach and Shavuos. Now we're talking about a sukkah for the yomtiv of sukkahs, so it's designated for a mitzvah. So therefore, it becomes hoktzel a mitzvah, and you're not allowed to have any. Uh, you're not allowed to use it. You're not allowed to move it on yomtiv. Ve'im hisna oleha. If you made a condition, like we said, we mentioned before, and actually over here, this condition does not refer to the sukkah itself. You can't make a condition regarding the sukkah itself. This is referring to uh, making a condition regarding the hut that was built for Yom Tif. Everything follows the Tnai, and if you made it Tnai, then the hut, if it collapsed, he can use he can use the wood there for uh, on Yom Tif for something else. Okay, so what's our question? We see right over here that Abshimin holds that something that is hooked like on Sukkis, the Sukkah or the decorations are designated for the mitzvah, it becomes mukta. Now, the Gemara brings there two braises. So Rashi points out, the Gemara could have asked a question from the second braise, where it brings Rab Shimon clearly, and the first braise it doesn't. But the first braise is a braise from Rab and Rab Aishia, and therefore the, that, that's more of a reliable braise, and therefore the Gemara brings that braise. Okay, so this is a question on the statement that was said before. Uh, who's the one that said the statement before? We had uh, before the statement uh, Rab Yechenen. Rab Yechenen before said that Rab Shimon only said by a candle that's burning on Shabbos that it's Osir because it's two things. It's Hoktzele Mitzvasoi and Hoktzele Yisuri. But here we see that even if it's just Hoktzele Mitzvasoi, it's going to be Osir. So the Gemara answers, Ke'en Shemen Shebener. No, no, no. It's similar to the way it is by the Shemen of the Ner. Kamrino, that's what he meant to say. We, we, we read his answer before not correctly. Just because of the fact that the candle burning on Shabbos is designated for the mitzvah, that alone is the reason that it's moktzeh. That it makes it asr, it becomes designated for the isra, and it becomes moktzeh. He didn't mean to say that there's two things here. Just the fact that the candle, the Shabbos candle, is designated for the mitzvah, that makes it moktzeh that it's asr to use on Shabbos. Okay, so the distinction between a Shabbos candle and a sukkah is, the Shabbos candle, once the flame goes out, the mitzvah is done. 
So there's no hook to a mitzvah anymore. So you're allowed to use it on the rest of Shabbos. When it comes to the sukkah, the mitzvah of sukkah is not done when you finish uh, sitting in the sukkah. The mitzvah of sukkah lasts till the very last day of sukkahs. So therefore, it remains hook to the mitzvah until the end of sukkahs. There is no muktzah for Rab Shimon. Only like a case which is similar to the, the oil in a candle that's burning on Shabbos. While it's burning. Since it was set aside for the mitzvah, it's also muktzah that it's also to touch it, also to move it, that is, it's muktzah. So we see clearly that this is the way uh, Rabbi Yechenin said this concept. Now the Gemara turns to an, yet another detail regarding Rabbi Shimon's opinion of Mokta. Okay, again, Rabbi Shimon was very lenient regarding Mokta. Generally, Rabbi Shimon holds anything that's fit for use right now is not Mokta. We don't go back to Ben Hashemashas. So the Gemara has the following question. Sorry, the Gemara makes the following statement. There is no Mokta according to Rabbi Shimon. Only when it comes to Gregoris, dry figs and raisins. And what this is referring to is, as Rashi explains over here, when a person takes figs or grapes and he puts it all up on the roof in order to get dried in the sun. So not until the process is done is it fit to eat. For that time period where it's drying up in the sun, the person has made up his mind that he's not going to eat from it. He put it there on the roof and it's not fit for eating until it becomes totally dry and uh, dry fig or raisins. Until then, it's not fit for eating. So that case, Rav Shimon will be made uh, this mukta. Okay, we'll see more details soon exactly why specifically these two. And so the Gemara asks on this, uh, and any other fruits that a person put up to dry, so Rav Shimon would not hold his mukta as well. But for Tanya, we learned in Abraise, a person was eating figs, and he had leftover figs, and he took them up to the roof, that it should become dry figs over there. He was eating grapes, and he had leftover grapes, he took them up to the roof for them to dry and become raisins. He should not eat from them on Shabbos, unless he prepares them, designates them for eating before Shabbos. Then the Braise says, Same applies also to peaches, or quinces, or any other fruits that a person put up on the roof to dry. So what do we see over here? That if you put it up to dry, it becomes muktzeh, not only by figs or grapes, it applies even to any other fruits. So the Gemara now says, Mani. Who is this Braise going according to? If it's following the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, why does the Braise have to say that he went, he put it on the roof, and he then designated it to become dry, and therefore he can't uh, move it on Shabbos? Rabbi Yehuda's opinion is, even if you did not clearly and directly with your hands go and put it away, that you shouldn't be using in a Shabbos. Islay Mukta still he holds of the concept of Mukta if at the time of Benash Moshes he didn't prepare it for eating. You don't have to push it away and put it on the roof in order for it to become Mukta. So So definitely if you went and put it on the roof, for sure it would be Mukta. So this doesn't seem to be reflecting Rabbi Yehuda's opinion that because he went and he put it on the roof, that's what makes it Mukta. That's not the definition of Mukta according to Rabbi Yehuda. According to Rabbi Yehuda, something that wasn't prepared for use at Bein Hashemoshes is automatically Mukta. So it doesn't sound like this Braise is going according to Rabbi Yehuda. 
So then we must say that this price goes according to Rab Shimon. And what do we see here? That there's no distinction between figs, grapes, or any other fruits. Now, what should be the difference between figs, grapes, and any other fruits? So Rashi here explains the difference is when it comes to figs and grapes, not until the process of it drying completely is it fit for eating. Other fruits, if you put it up to dry, while it's drying, you have apples or whatever it is, while it's drying, even if it didn't yet fully dry, it's fit to eat in the interim as well. So on one hand, he, he went, put it up on the roof, made it clear that he's not interested in eating of it, but it is fit to eat from it in the interim while it's drying. Whereas when it comes to grapes and figs, Two things. Number one, he put it on the roof, so he was and he put it away, making it clear he doesn't want to use it. And number two, in the interim, while it's drying up, it's not fit for eating. So therefore, there's a reason to make a difference between the figs and the grapes and all the other fruits. But the question of the Gemara is, here in this Braise, seemingly it has to go according to the Shimon, and it does not make any distinction between figs, grapes, and the other fruits. So the Gemara answers, no, really this Braise does follow the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Our question was, if it's going according to Rabbi Yehuda, why is the Braise saying that it's only Muktza according to Rabbi Yehuda because he went and put it up on the roof and he was doichet biyadayim. That's not the definition according to, according to Rabbi Yehuda of Muktza. So the Gemara says, now in this case, where he was eating from these grapes, he was eating from these figs, over here it's trichale. Over here there's this Chiddush that he went and put it up on the roof. So I would think to say, he was eating from all these grapes or figs. So it wouldn't be necessary for the person to prepare it for use on Shabbos. Because he's eating from it. So that itself shows that he's interested in eating the whole thing. Kamash Malam, so therefore the Braise says, Kivin the hell on Lagag, Asuche Aschele Daiteminayu. Although he was eating from it, so according to Rabbi Yehuda, it should not be mukt in such a case. But if on the other hand he went and he put it up on the roof, so now he, now he pushed it away and he doesn't want to use it on a Shabbos, he wants to dry it, that makes it mukt. So specifically in this case, because he was eating from it, does the Braise say that according to Rabbi Yehuda, it's going to be mukt only because he went and put it up on the roof? Okay, now the Gemara has yet another question to define Rab Shimon's opinion regarding Moktzeh. Okay, so now the conclusion that we have over here so far is that it's not enough the fact that um, he put it up on the roof. Just the fact that he put up these grapes or whatever it is, any, any fruits on the roof to be doichet biyadayim does not make it muktzeh. And we had a couple of examples here. Let's review this quickly. We had the example of a person that took a kernel of wheat and planted it in the ground. You had an example of an egg that he placed it for a hen to incubate. Or we had the example of a person put any fruits on the roof to dry. None of that will make it muktzeh according to Rab Shimon unless there's an additional thing. And that is that it's not fit for eating. Like in the case of the figs, the dry figs and the raisins, and not until it finishes the process of drying up, it's not fit for eating. But now the Gemara asks the question in the reverse. Let's see inside. the son of Rabbi, asked from Rabbi, Patzile tomorrow. So Patzile tomorrow, as Rashi explains, are, are, are dates that do not ripen on the tree. They take them off the tree not ripe, and then they have to be placed in a basket, and they ripen later on in the basket. So if he has these patzile tomorrow that are not ripe, and they're not fit for eating at all. So the question is, what would be the halacha according to Rabshimin? 
So over here, the case is, he did not, he was not doichet biyadayim. He did not do any action to point out that he doesn't want to use it on Shabbos. But these, these dates, that is, are not fit for use. They're not right. So is the fact that they're not fit for use alone enough of reason that it should be mukta on Shabbos? Omalei, so Rebbe responded, using again the same statement we had before. According to Rab Shimon, there's no mukta, only gregeris and simukin, only when it comes to the, the dry figs and the dry and drying uh, um, grapes, raisins. When what's the reason? Bulvad only this case because over here there are two factors that make it mukta. Number one, he was doichet biyadayim. He went and put it up on the roof, making it clear he doesn't want to use it on Shabbos. And number two, it's not fit for use during the process when it's drying up. So only when there are the two factors, that makes it moktze. If there's only one factor, either it's not fit for use, or he was only doichet biyadayim, but it is fit for use, is no moktze. Okay, so this was Rabbi's response. So now the Gemara asks, the Gemara assumes that because Rebbe gave this response, that Rebbe agrees to Rab Shimon and, and doesn't hold of Mukta in many, many cases. Does not hold like Rabbi Yehuda. Rebbe that gave this answer according to Rab Shimon, he does not subscribe to Mukta like Rabbi Yehuda. But, nah, but we learned a Mishnah, and this is a Mishnah in the end of Mesech Tebeye, regarding on, on, on Yontif, shechting animals. You're allowed to shecht an animal for Eichel Nefesh on Yontif, but... You have to be sure that those animals are not muktza. So there are different kinds of animals. There are the animals that a person owns, domesticate, the, the domestic animals that come and live with the person. They come back inside the, every night or every so often, as we'll see. And then there are animals that are range animals. They go out in the field and they stay out for a very, very long time. So those animals that stay out for a very long time are muktza. The person, he was deichet be'edayim, so to speak, it goes out and it, 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 it's independent, takes care of itself. So those animals are muktza. Animals that come back every so often are not Muktzah. So that's what this mission is going to discuss. You may not water or shecht the range animals. So the, the concept of watering these animals was in order to be able to make it easier to remove the skin, the hide of the animal. And then they would shecht it. So you're not allowed to shecht these midbariyas, the range animals, because they're Muktzah. But you could shecht those animals that are domestic animals that come back to the to the person. So they're not muktzah. Now, and Abraise it came and clarified further the uh, the details of this uh, Mishnah. The Tanya, we learned in Abraise, the following are considered to be range animals. If they leave the house in the beginning of the summer by Pesach time, and they remain out there, and they only return back, when the rain season begins in Cheshvan time. Baisais, what are domestic animals? They go out and they pasture outside of the Tchum. But at night, they come back and they stay for the night inside the Tchum. So those are animals that are not Mokhtzeh. Rabbi Yoyme, Rabbi disagrees and Rabbi says, Eilu ve'eilu ba'isayisein. Both of these are considered to be domestic animals, even those that remain out the entire summer, but they come back in the winter, they are considered to be also animals that are prepared and designated for the person, and they're not moktzeh. Ve'eilu ba'isayis, these are considered to be range animals. Kol sheroyes ba'afar, they go and they and out in the pasture, ve'enich nasus li'yishuf. They don't come back into the settled area. 
not in the summer and not in the winter. Now this Mishnah and Braise here is all going according to Rabbi Yehuda, the Muktzah according to Rabbi Yehuda. And Rabbi that's commenting and saying his opinion in this Braise, so it's clear that he holds like Rabbi Yehuda, that there's a din of Muktzah. And not like Rabbi Shimon that says that as long as it's fit for use, it's not Muktzah. So how could it be before Rebbe responded with Rabbi Shimon's opinion, and here he seems to be following Rabbi Yehuda's opinion. Just to mention quickly, this Mishnah is the uh, end of Masech Tebeya. There's a beautiful, beautiful Hadran that the Rebbe said on this Mishnah, that you, if you want to take a look, you can see in Masech sorry, that is in the Chaf of Abrengen of Tavshin Tezvav, and the Chai El of Abrengen of Tavshin Chav Beis. Very Gishmakes, Sicha, in both places, the Rebbe explained this whole union, Al-Pinigla, Al-Pichsidis, when we'll get him to the Hadran of Masech Tebeya, I'll share the details. So the Gemara gives three answers to our stira in Rabbi's opinion. Either I can say, These range animals that remain out there in the field all the time, are similar to dry figs and raisins, and they are mukti even according to Rabbi Shimon. And the reason is because they go out, so it's like he would doichet be a die, and the person does not think of them. And Rashi says, and there's another detail there, there's a big terchet to bring them back in, to go and get them and bring them back in. So therefore, we compare them to Gregoris and Simukin. That's one answer. So even if he holds a Rabbi Shimon, this would be Mukta according to Rabbi Shimon. Vibay same another answer, Ledvarav de Rabbi Shimon Before when he gave the answer to his son that asked him the question, he was answering because he was asked about Rabbi Shimon's opinion. But Vilei he disagrees with this. Vibay same another answer we can say, Ledvreyem de Rabbanon That over here in this Mishnah, he was arguing and saying his opinion only to say to the Tanakama, according to you, the way you, you hold of Muktzah according to Rabbi Yehuda, your definition to make the difference between Baisais and Midbariais, I disagree with. Lady D, Leslie Muktzah. I hold like Rabbi Shimon, and I hold that in this case, these animals are fit for consumption, so I don't hold of Muktzah at all in this case. Lady Tchu, you hold of Muktzah according to Rabbi Yehuda. You should admit to me that if they leave for the whole summer, but they come back when there's rain, when it's winter, the basis. No, no. You should agree that these are considered to be domestic animals and they're not mukta. And the Rabbanan say, no, because they remain out for the entire summer, so therefore they are considered to be range animals. So the argument is all according to the Rabbanan, but Rabbi himself holds like Reb Shimon that there is no muktz in such a case because it's fit for, for consumption. That's the end of the Gemara for today. In Mitzvah tomorrow, we will in Mitzvah get through the entire Daphne Bav. With Hashem's help.